continue with the series on uh, the gifts in the church. And in this particular series, we're dealing with uh, one category of gifts called spiritual gifts. And those gifts are listed for us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through to 10. The scripture says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And so we've subdivided the spiritual gifts. There are nine spiritual gifts listed for us in Scripture. And we've subdivided them for this series of teachings into three different categories. Uh, we call the one category the speaking gifts, the second category the revelation gifts, and then the third category the power gifts. And uh, the speaking gifts, um, the three uh, spiritual gifts that fall into that category is the, the gift of diverse kind of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. And all of those gifts speak forth the word of the Lord. And then the three gifts that we included in the uh, Revelation gifts uh, category is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. For all three of those gifts uh, reveal something uh, from the Lord. And then the power gifts, which is the gifts that we're dealing with in this particular series, are the, fact, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and gifts of healings. For all of those gifts display the power of the Lord. And so we're dealing in this particular um, teaching today with uh, the gift of the working of miracles. And we started this teaching in the previous one, and we're going to end it off today. Um, and we had a look at the working of miracles in, from the point of view of we, we looked at what our Lord said about that particular issue. Um, for our Lord did mention something to us along that line. He said in John chapter 14, verse 12, He said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And so we uh, asked the question, what, what are the greater works that our Lord was referring to? Because when we look at our Lord's ministry, um, and we see the works that he performed in his earthly ministry, um, the church, since the time that our Lord went uh, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, up until the present time, has not done any greater works than what our Lord did. Um, he raised the dead. There have been incidents of in individuals raising the dead. Um, you can go through and look at our Lord's ministry, and uh, the church has not done anything greater than what our Lord did. And so we asked the question, well, then what were the greater works that our Lord referred to? And we said that we, our Lord uh, alluded to that by saying, because I go to my Father. That's why we will be able to do the greater works. And the greater works we saw was, in fact, that we can get people born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus could not do that when he was on the earth because he had not yet ascended to the Father. And so those are the greater works that the church does. And by and large, the church performs, we see more evidence of the greater works taking place than we do of the works that our Lord Jesus did. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because, I mean, the greater works, as we said, are in fact eternal in nature. For to get somebody born again uh, is an eternal work, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is also an eternal work. Uh, for we said that every other miracle performed on the earth 
it is not eternal. It's temporary in nature. Even raising somebody from the dead, uh, we said that that individual still has to die once again because their bodies are not immortal and so they will die again. And so all of the, the works the, of miracles that were performed through our Lord's ministry when he was on the earth were temporary in nature because uh, he fed the, the multitudes, but the next day they had to uh, find food for themselves again. And so all of those works are temporary in nature, but the greater works are eternal in nature. So there's nothing wrong with the church um, concentrating kind of on the greater works. But nevertheless, we should also be performing the works that our Lord performed. For he said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. And so um, we don't see this gift of the working of miracles um, too widely spread in the church. And we'll discuss it uh, as we go into this teaching again today. So we also then want to look at, and so that differentiated between the works that our Lord did and the greater works. And that's uh, the, the difference between the two. But we also differentiated between faith and the anointing. For we said, in, actually in all of the gifts of the Spirit, by and large, except uh, the, the, the speaking gifts, because that's speaking forth the, the word of the Lord, and also the revelation gifts. So uh, there is no... Um, faith that can be activated there. But with regards to the power gifts, um, there is a difference between faith and the anointing. Because uh, as we saw with the gift of um, faith, special faith, um, all saints have the gift of faith, but they do not have the gift of special faith. And we just said that the, the gift of uh, special faith is pretty much the gift of faith just multiplied by you know an exponential uh, number because we said the gift of special faith is in fact the faith of the Holy Spirit himself and so it's faith at a much higher level than what the normal saints operate at and then we saw with regards to the gifts of healings that all saints are called to pray for the sick and lay hands on them that they may be healed but one who has received the anointing for the gifts of healings they have a greater degree of power uh, being made manifest through them, which is in fact the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, which enables uh, them to minister healing on a far greater scale and with far more uh, results than just uh, individuals praying by faith. And so we come to the gift of the work in miracles and we said it works in exactly the same manner. That, um, and we then looked at the greater works that our Lord said uh, to do, and we should be able to do because our Lord's gone to the Father. And we said that all saints are called to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ in order to get people born again. But we differentiated between the saint who's called to witness for our Lord to the individuals around them, and we compared that to the, the evangelist, one who has been anointed by the Holy Spirit to minister to multitudes and bring multitudes into the kingdom of God. And that is the work of miracles, we said, for it is a miracle for one to be born again. And so we said there is a greater anointing, for that is the gift being made manifest through the evangelist. And then we looked at the comparative between um, saints that are called to lay hands on other saints that they may be full with the Holy Spirit and one who is anointed in that area. And we had a look at the ministries of Peter and John. And we saw that they were in fact uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on multitudes that they may be full with the Holy Spirit. Philip wasn't. And we're not going to go back into that teaching, but we did the comparative there. 
And so for all of the power gifts, um, all of the saints can operate in that, um, not the gift, but it can, can perform the same function at a far lower scale, purely by faith. But when the gift is made manifest, the gift of uh, faith or the gift of the gifts of healings or the gift of the working of miracles, well then the anointing is increased dramatically upon the individual's life who has that gift and they are then used of the Lord to administer um, whichever gift it is that the Lord has called them to administer. And so we differentiate between faith and the anointing. It's very important that we understand the, the difference between the two so we don't get confused. And so now we want to just, uh, today we want to just have a look at more examples of this particular gift, the gift of the working of miracles in Scripture, so we have a better understanding at just how this particular gift operates. Now, as I said, this gift is, in fact, all of the power gifts by and large are not widely distributed within the body of Christ. Um, in church uh, meetings, uh, uh, congregations, you will see more individuals uh, operating through the gift of prophecy, diverse kind of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and even the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Um, the certain of spirits, not so many, so not, not so often. But when you come to the power gifts, we see very little of the power gifts displayed in uh, the churches. Um, and there's a reason for that is because the, the power gifts demonstrate the power of God. And uh, um, the, the scripture does say that God doesn't uh, share his power with any. And that's under the old covenant, but it's, it's, it's uh, pertinent to the new. And so one who is endued in, in, in with uh, gift, these power gifts, um, there's a, a, a greater degree of responsibility, I think, that is placed upon that individual to operate in the demonstration of God's power. And uh, God is, uh, he doesn't give out this gift just willy-nilly. He, he gives it out um, by, you know, he's discerning in who he gives us these gifts out to. And if we look at the Old Covenant, and we look at all of the prophets that operated under the Old Covenant, we said that all of them operated in the series that we dealt with so far. Um, in the ministry gifts, we said all of the prophets under the Old Covenant obviously um, operated with the gift of prophecy. They all operated with the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, because they were used of God to give direction to the children of Israel. And we said some of them operated in the gift of discerning of spirits. We gave Daniel as a, and, and Ezekiel as examples, and there were obviously more. But when it comes to um, the gift, because we said again, under the Old Covenant, all of the nine uh, spiritual gifts that are available to the church under the New Covenant, seven were available to the, uh, the saints under the Old Covenant. Uh, the two that were not available to the, uh, the saints under the Old Covenant was the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Those two gifts are um, uh, manifested only in the church age. Um, but under the Old Covenant, Seven of those nine gifts were manifested under the Old Covenant. But of the seven, uh, the power gifts that uh, we are studying in this uh, particular series was not widely distributed amongst the prophets under the Old Covenant. And uh, if you go study the, the prophets under the Old Covenant, 
The profits that stand out that operated in the power gifts would be Moses. Um, he operated in, in, in the gift of the work in miracles, gift of faith, uh, even gifts of healings, uh, because you recall that um, when the children of Israel had once again sinned against the Lord, and many of them were getting, um, that they were being bitten by this, these, uh, that, those snakes, and a lot of them were dying. Um, the Lord told Moses to raise up that um, image of the serpent, and anybody who looked at that image uh, was then instantly healed. And so that's the type of the gifts of, of healing to operate into Moses' ministry. But Moses operated in the gift of faith and, and gift working of miracles um, more frequently than others. Uh, splitting of the Red Sea, um, turning um, the water into blood, bringing all of those plagues on uh, Egypt, uh, his staff becoming a snake and consuming the snakes of the other sorcerers that were with Pharaoh at the time. Um, uh, showing uh, his hand as being leprous and then um, showing it as being healed again. Now, obviously, all of that was God, but God was working through Moses because Moses was anointed with this particular gift, the gift of the working of miracles. And that's what God does. He displays his power through an individual. Very seldom does God just display his power and no one's involved. Normally, what God does is he anoints an individual and then displays his power through that individual. And so he displayed his power on more than one occasion, on numerous occasions, through his prophet Moses. Moses struck the rock and a river of water came out of the rock. Moses um, you know, uh, prayed to the Lord and um, manna came down from heaven. And all of that... Um, didn't happen just because God did it. God used his servant Moses to bring it to pass. The other two prophets that are, uh, stand out strongly in the Old Covenant are, is Elijah and Elisha. Those are two prophets that operated in the power gifts, the gift of the working of, uh, gifts of, sorry, gift of faith, um, gifts of healings, definitely as well, and gift of the working of miracles. And so, as I say, we, we don't see, we see isolated incidents. Um, Samuel, he, not Samuel, um, who might think of Samson. Um, you know, there was, uh, he, you know, Samson did some, some, some powerful stuff. He was anointed of God to do the, those things, but in one particular area, showing great strength. And so we see isolated incidents, but we don't see uh, too many prophets anointed by God under the Old Covenant, who operated in these gifts consistently through their ministries. But um, two of the prophets that do stand out, as I said, obviously outside of Moses, two of the prophets that stood out was Elijah and Elisha. And, um, you know, if you go study those two prophets' ministries, you will have a clearer understanding of just what the working of miracles is all about. Um, Elisha... Uh, caused an accent to float to, when I say he caused it, we understand God did it, but nevertheless the anointing was upon the prophet to do what, uh, what God did. And so an accent, uh, one of his um, co-prophets had fallen or come off the axe and had sunk into the, the bottom of this, of this lake and Elisha caused that axe head to float on water. Um, uh, supernatural provision. Uh, there wasn't enough food uh, to feed the prophets, and the, uh, the Elisha said, "You know, there's going to be enough. It'll, it'll be enough for everybody." 
and true, that's the way it happened. Everybody ate and there was more than enough left over. And so supernatural provision came through uh, Elisha and Elijah's ministry. As I say, there's, there are many accounts. Um, we saw in the previous uh, teaching or in the series, uh, in the gift of faith, uh, both Elijah and Elisha were able to be used of the Lord to split the Jordan River and, and just walk across on dry ground. Um, it, it is Elijah caused fire to come down from heaven, consume the altar. Also caused fire to come down from heaven and consume uh, the king's soldiers when they came to arrest Elijah. And so, you know, it was just miracle after miracle after miracle that took place through these individuals' lives. But now these individuals live very separated lives unto the Lord. And that seems to be one of the criteria that God uses for this particular uh, um, spiritual gift, not only the working of miracles, but primarily the gift of the working of miracles and the gift of faith, for those two gifts to be made manifest, and also the gifts of healings, to those the power gifts to be made manifest through the individual. There seems to be a requirement upon the individual to be separated unto God more so than normal. Um, it's just the way this gift seems to work because there is just a greater degree of anointing that rests upon that individual. Um, and so we, you know, we're going to look at some accounts because as I said, I've just mentioned a few and there's multitudes that you can go look at. But as I said, there's not a lot of prophets that you can go look at where you see the power of God being displayed. I'm talking about the power of God, not talking about... Um, the, the normal ministry operation of what the prophet was actually called to. And so um, this particular gift um, is required to raise people from the dead. The working of, gift of the working of miracles, um, raising people from the dead falls into this category. And both Elijah and Elisha were used of the Lord to raise people from the dead. And what is also interesting to see is that our Lord Jesus, <clears throat> when he walked the earth, there's no miracles that he performed that hadn't been performed under the Old Covenant. He never performed any new miracles. Our Lord raised people, people from the dead, but so did Elijah and so did Elisha. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to it, but again, if you go and study our Lord's ministry and look at what took place under the Old Covenant, Jesus didn't do anything different. He did what, what had already taken place under the Old Covenant, our Lord also practiced. Um, anyway, so Elijah, he raises the, the young boy from the dead. It, what had happened, Elijah had been sent to the widow at uh, Zarephath, I think it was the, the town, and God had sent him there to live with the widow because it was the, the famine, that was um, the, the drought that they were going through. And while Elijah was there, the widow's son dies. And uh, Elijah prays to the Lord and Elijah raises him from the dead. And Elijah delivers him back to his mother. Um, Elisha, in his ministry, um, he had prophesied to a woman that she would receive a son from the Lord. She did receive the son. And the son, years later, had subsequently died. It seems to be like a, because he, he died of a headache, so it must have been a brain hemorrhage or something like that. Anyway, uh, the, the short story of it is that Elisha also raised him from the dead and presented him alive to his mother. So both those prophets raised individuals from the dead. Um, those are the only two prophets that we see under the Old Covenant who raised individuals from the dead. I'm not aware of any other prophet that raised anyone from the dead. 
Um, but have a look at this account. This is quite interesting because uh, I made the comment that the power gifts, um, there's, there's a greater degree of anointing that rests upon the individual who walks in the power gifts. I know I've given you the title, the power gifts, so let's just get back to scriptural titles. The gift of faith, the gift of the working of miracles, and gifts of healings. There's a greater degree of anointing that rests upon those individuals. Uh, then the other gifts, uh, from what we can see in scripture. And you say, well, where do you get that in scripture? Let's just have a look at the account. 2 Kings chapter 13 beginning at verse 20. The scripture says, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man into the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. And so here we have Elisha, he's died, and they buried him in the tomb. And all that's left, because a, a period of time has now elapsed, all that's left of Elisha's body is his bones. Everything else has, has decayed now. It's just his bones that are left. And so what happens is uh, these individuals are wanting to bury their friend, and they uh, see a band of, uh, who's it, Moab uh, guys coming into raiding Israel. And so they want to get out of the place as quickly as possible. So they just look for the nearest tomb. They open it up and they drop their friend down into the tomb. When they do that and their friend who is dead um, touches Elisha's bones, he revives, comes back to life again. He stands up and <laughs> they have to put him back out of the tomb. And so that's the point that I want to bring across here though, is that that anointing was still residing in Elisha's bones. Elisha had left long ago. I mean, he, he died. He'd gone to Abraham's bosom. So he wasn't there. It was just his, the, the bones of his body that were still there. And yet the anointing was still residing even in his bones. And so when a dead person touched his bones, they came back to life again. That's the anointing that rests upon the individual who has been anointed with the power gifts. It's that, uh, it's that powerful upon them that that's the result. Um, there was no faith involved anywhere. It was just the anointing still residing in Elisha's bones. And so it seems to be that when these gifts are given to individuals, that a greater degree of anointing rests upon them, and that anointing abides. It doesn't go away. It stays in that person's body even after they die and go to be with the Lord. Because um, that's exactly what happened with the, in Elisha's case. Um, our Lord Jesus, he raises three people from the dead. So remember the comment I made. If you study our Lord's ministry and the Old Testament, you will find that all of the, the miracles our Lord performed um, were, put, were miracles that had been performed under the Old Covenant. Uh, let me try and... Well, our Lord raised three people from the dead. Elijah and Elisha had raised people from the dead, so that's what our Lord did as well. Um, he raised a little girl to be Talita, I think it was Talita, wasn't it, from the dead. Um, and then he raised a young man from Nain, the city of Nain, from the dead. Talita, Mark 5, he, he raises her from the dead, city of Nain, the young man, Luke chapter 7. And then we, the famous account we all know about, 
um, our Lord raising uh, Lazarus from the dead. John 11, verse 39, the scripture says, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he, he, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Ah, what a testimony. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with the cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him, said to them, loose him and let him go. And so our Lord Jesus raises three people from the dead. But as I say, under the old covenant, Elijah and Elisha also operated in, the, in that miracle. Um, our Lord walked on water. Elisha, as I mentioned, caused an axe head, which is iron, to float on water. Um, our Lord fed the 5,000 and he fed the 7,000. And Elisha had fed uh, his prophets with uh, a little bit of food and it, it just expanded. Um, you know, the, the, again, as I say, you just do the comparative, you will see whatever our Lord did when he was on the earth, it was not new. It was what God had done under the old covenant. And that's what our Lord actually meant when he said, I do nothing but that which I see my Father do. I hear, I say nothing but that which I hear my Father say. Jesus read what God did under the old covenant, and he walked in that. Because if God did that under the old covenant, Jesus was able to do it under the new. When God spoke under the old, Jesus spoke under the new. And so that's a kind of what our Lord was actually referring to. Now I understand that the Lord was walking in the Spirit and God did show him to do certain things. But nevertheless, um, Jesus didn't do new miracles. He did the same miracles that God had been performing under the old covenant. Jesus just walked in them in um, a greater degree of anointing and uh, with purpose. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into any more on that side. Anyway, so we get into the church age. Now in the church age, we have Peter raising uh, Tabita. Now he raises Tabita or Dorcas, same person, different translations of her name. He raises her from the dead. And then we have uh, uh, the Apostle Paul raising the young man from the dead. Acts chapter 20, verse 9 to 12, the scripture says, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, and had broken bread, and eaten, talk and talked for a long while, even until daybreak he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. And so the, the church, uh, we have examples in the book of Acts, individuals uh, being used of the Lord to raise uh, the dead. And so that is the working gift of the working miracles uh, being made manifest. Supernatural provision. Um, it was Elijah who went to the, the, the widow in Zarephath and uh, he said, you know, uh, what have you got? And she said, I've just got a, a bit of flour and an oil of jar. 
And he said, well, this is not going to run out until I say so. And the Lord provided for them. That, that oil kept flowing and the, and the flour kept being multiplying. And they were able to feed their whole family and Elijah for the whole period of time. Um, and so there was that miracle. A Lord takes the, the, the loaves and the fish and he multiplies them. And so he performs the same type of miracle that um, was performed under the Old Covenant. Here's another example um, of Elisha doing exactly the same thing. 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through to 7. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. And so there's multiplication again. It's God performing that miracle through uh, his prophet Elisha. Uh, just like he performed the same miracle through his prophet Elijah. And then we have our Lord Jesus when he was on the earth, Matthew 14 and Matthew 15, um, feeding the multitudes, multiplying what God uh, had uh, to hand, which was a few loaves and a few small fish, and God multiplying that and feeding the multitudes. Um, and then we have an, another account of our Lord performing a similar type of miracle, Luke chapter 5. Well, this is not similar type of miracle, but it's a, a miracle of provision. Uh, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, Scripture says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out uh, a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when you... And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. They've never taken a, a catch like this. They were experienced fishermen. They've been fishing their whole lives. They had, this was their business. And they'd never experienced this before. Um, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And so there's a supernatural provision. Our Lord, by the power of God and His faith, um, commanding the fish to, to swim into those nets to the point that there was so much fish that the boats began to sink. Think about Moses. Moses, God says, speak to you know, the wind and the quail will come. 
and there was so much quail that were brought into uh, the camp of Israel, you know, that they, they were saturated with quail. Um, again, that's just God doing what He can, what He's able to do by His power, but working through His prophet and working through the one who's anointed by Him. And so that's again, as I say, our Lord performing a miracle similar to what God had done under the Old Covenant. Jesus didn't do anything new. He did what He saw His Father do under the Old Covenant. He did the same. And He encourages us, His church, to do the same. The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. And uh, you, you know, when our Lord did make uh, provision for the multitudes, and He fed the multitudes, our Lord actually did kind of challenge His disciples to do to step out there and do this thing themselves. Um, in Matthew fourteen sixteen, on, on the one of the counts, when our Lord fed the multitudes. Scripture says, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And in fact, in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, our Lord actually tests Philip in the issue. And he, you know, he, he says, Philip, you know, how are we going to feed these guys? Philip straight away goes into the natural and thinks, Lord, we're going to get food enough for all of us. He doesn't think in the supernatural. But the Scripture says Jesus tested Philip um, because our Lord was trying to get the guys to recognize there's a deeper realm you can walk in. There's a, an anointing that's available to you uh, that you can walk in. And our Lord was always trying to draw the disciples out into that realm where they could walk in the miraculous. Now, as I say, <clears throat> um, in order to operate in these gifts, the gift of the working of miracles, gift of faith, gifts of healings, a greater anointing is required uh, um, to come upon that individual. And as a result of the great, well, not result, um, in order for that the person to qualify for that anointing to come upon them so that they can walk in it, a greater degree of separation is called for. And again, go look at uh, Elijah and Elisha's ministry. Um, and even Moses, these guys were separated unto God. They, they really fellowship with the Lord. They were not... Um, John the Baptist is another. Now, John doesn't display any um, miraculous power when he, he ministers. But look at the result of him just proclaiming uh, the word of the Lord. Multitudes come to him to be baptized by him. He's, he's a guy who's walking around with a, 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 <laughs> like a hippie with a long beard and long hair. Um, in, in, uh, dressed in, in uh, camel uh, hide with a leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey. This guy is not... Uh, <laughs> he really comes out of, out, of, uh, out of nowhere. And Israel flocks to him because that anointing is on him. But look at how se what, what the separated life he lived unto God. He was completely... And, he, and as I say, Elijah and Elisha, go look at their lives. They lived separated. I mean... Elisha, a lot of the time, he was living out in the desert um, because these guys were just sold out to God completely. Anyway, um, as I said, this anointing comes upon uh, those who have uh, this degree of anointing. It's, it's just a different degree of, of level of anointing and separation. And the apostle, as we said right at the outset when we did the ministry gifts, we said the apostle's ministry operates in this gift. Because um, they operate in all nine gifts of the, of the Spirit. 
And so for one to be called as an apostle, there's a greater degree of separation. There's a greater degree of anointing on that individual. And Paul alludes to it. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And so these guys who have this anointing upon their lives, as I say, are separated unto the Lord um, more so than other individuals and therefore uh, incur, not incur, but um, encounter a greater degree of anointing upon their lives than the norm. This is not the norm, because not many people walk in these gifts. Um, and again, uh, Elisha's bones is a case in point. Uh, let's have a look at, uh, again, just um, an allusion to this. God, the Holy Spirit speaking through the, His prophet, indicating to us the cost that's involved to walk in this degree of anointing, to walk in this degree of power. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Scripture says, So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, I wonder why the Lord chose their names to be so close, but anyway, said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. <clears throat> Verse 10. So he, Elijah, said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And so we, um, we look at the scripture and we say, okay, um, Elisha had asked for a hard thing. And sometimes we look at it and we think, okay, well, this is something that's going to be hard for God to do, to give Elisha a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Because Elijah walked in such a, a powerful degree of anointing already. I mean, think about the, the miracles that were performed by the Lord through Elijah's ministry. And powerful stuff. Um, and so this is a hard thing that Elisha's asked for. But it's not a hard thing for God to do. For Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? There isn't anything that is too hard for the Lord. And so it's not a hard thing for God to do that Elisha has asked for. It is a hard thing for Elisha to walk in. That's the difference. That's what Elijah's alluding to when he says to Elisha, you have asked a hard thing. Because Elijah recognized that you know he had to live a separated life unto God in order to walk in the, the, the power that God had anointed him with. And now Elisha wants a double anointing. Well, Elisha, you don't really realize what you've asked for. But nevertheless, if you meet the conditions, um, then that's exactly what you're going to get. And Elisha meets the conditions. And uh, he gets that double anointing, uh, that double portion of anointing that comes upon his life. And if you go look at Elisha's ministry, after Elijah's ministry, you will find that Elisha, actually the scriptures do record, um, twice as much miracles performed under Elisha's ministry as is performed under Elijah's ministry. But if you go and look at Elisha, his lifestyle, um, I don't have the scripture in front of me now, but you go and look at uh, 2 Kings and the book of Samuel and look at Elisha's ministry. Um, just look at the conversation that he has with the prophets that follow him around and uh, minister to him. And you, it, it's almost like a one-sided conversation that takes place. 
you know, the prophets would speak to Elisha and say, you know, um, they call him teacher or master. Um, you know, we want to do this and this and this. Can we go do it? And Elisha's response is, go. <laughs> and then there, was, there would be a whole discourse from the, Elisha, uh, the prophets to Elisha, and Elisha's, responsible, Elisha's response would be, do that. And so, <laughs> if you go to read it, it's actually quite interesting to see that the, the amount of um, words that proceed out of Elisha's mouth are very few. Because uh, that anointing rests heavily upon him. And uh, it, it, it's incumbent upon those individuals to not be frivolous with the words that come out of their mouth. Because God has anointed them, that what comes out of their mouth is anointed and comes to pass. And so there is just a greater degree of power that rests upon these individuals and a greater responsibility that rests upon these individuals and therefore uh, and a greater degree of accountability. And our Lord uh, mentioned it in Luke chapter 12 verse 48 uh, when he says, For it, everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And that's exactly the case with the power gifts. Because, as I say, this particular, these gifts demonstrate the power of God. And God is um, not liberal with his power. He displays his power guardingly almost. Um, he does it, but through the individual who is going to be uh, consecrated to him and uh, walk in uh, that degree of consecration and then that, that gift is made manifest through the individual. Um, and that's as far as I really want to get with regards to the power gifts. As with all the gifts, I just want to give an, an account um, of uh, the gifts operating through my ministry just so that you can kind of tie in. <coughs> and uh, I'm going to go back to the greater works because uh, <laughs> it's not using me to raise anybody from the dead, uh, make supernatural provision or anything like that. But just like uh, a lot of the, uh, the church are used of the Lord in the greater works, so the Lord has been uh, merciful to me in that area that he's allowed me to operate in that. And so one of the, the gifts that operate in my ministry is the laying on of hands. In that people, the Lord very often uses me to... Um, be used of him to fill other individuals with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was in one a prayer meeting a while ago, and um, I just sensed the Spirit of God come upon me. I, I recognize when the power of God comes on me, and the anointing was in my hands for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just knew that this anointing wouldn't last very long. I recognized it, so I said, anybody here wanting a fresh and filling with the Holy Spirit, come forward. The guys came forward, they stood up, and, and as they came forward, as I touched them, so everyone just went under the power of God, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's one aspect of the working of miracles under the new covenant. We're able to fill people with the Holy Spirit um, initially, and then also for fresh influence of the Holy Spirit. For we saw in previous teachings that it is the will of the Lord that the saints keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's how the Lord uses me in that aspect, in that particular uh, gift of the working of miracles. But um, that's pretty much as much as I wanted to cover with this particular gift, and that kind of ties up now all of the, the power gifts. We've discussed the power gift of the gift of special faith. We've discussed the power gift of the gifts of healings. And we've discussed the power gift of the working of miracles. Um, and in the next series, we want to touch on the speaking gifts, 
which is the gift of prophecy, gift of um, diverse kind of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. But we are ending the power gift series on that particular point. Amen.